0: Hey folks! Hello, hello. That is an odd thing to hear, isn't it? The new pastor at Moncton Wesleyan. And so thank you so much for the invitation. And I was trying to think, how, how do we begin today? Uh, this is just a visit this weekend. We won't be able to, to move and be uh, fully here until the beginning of July. So we're really looking forward to that but I just thought of, I think, about five words that sum it up. Are you ready? It's good to be home. It's good to be home. Amen. Would you go ahead and grab Matthew chapter 28 in your Bible? If you didn't bring a Bible, you may want to use your electronic device and just Type in the browser, Matthew chapter 28. We're also going to have this on the screens today so that you can follow along and we'll read some of these passages of Scripture together. But today, of course, is Sunday. It comes every week as we celebrate and worship together. And two weeks ago, we celebrated what is perhaps the greatest Sunday of the entire year for every Christian Resurrection Sunday. It is the day that we believe is the turning point in history, the day that death and hell were conquered and Jesus rose again. How many of you believe that the resurrection changes everything? Yes? Amen. And it is so good to believe that on Sundays. But sometimes can we admit that it is harder to believe it on Monday? When the reality of life starts creeping back in, the challenges, the struggles, and at times when even doubt creeps in. And that's what we're going to talk about today, doubt. And here in Matthew chapter 28, this is what happened after the resurrection. He appeared to the women at the tomb, and he told them to go back and tell the rest of the disciples to come and meet him in Galilee. And here's how it happened. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, we read, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. I want you to look at that last line. Let's say that out loud together. Afraid, yet filled with joy. Isn't that a strange sentence, that, that, that little phrase? Is it possible for us to be at the same time afraid, and yet find a level of joy in our lives the bible says that that is possible that that in the midst of that we can find the joy of the Lord. And then look at what happens next. Skip down a few verses later into uh, verse 16 and 17. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but let's put it on the screen. And so when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They worshiped him, but some doubted. Can we just be really honest? That at times it is possible for us to come into a place like this and declare the praises of God, look at his scripture, be encouraged by other believers, and yet even in the midst of our worship, we can still struggle with some doubts. And that's what we're going to talk about today Turn a few pages to the right in the next book, Mark, Mark chapter 9. Here we find an amazing scene in Mark chapter 9 where a father comes to Jesus and asks for his son to be healed. And Jesus looks at this father and, and asks him a question, do you believe that I can do it? And in response, the father confesses something to Jesus. Mark 9, 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And folks, that is the great paradox of the Christian life. I believe, but I still have some unbelief. The reality is that often we have fear and joy mixed all up inside of us at the same time. Worship and doubt, belief and unbelief somehow coexisting in the same moment in our lives. Mike Slaughter is a pastor who was talking about this one day. And after the service, a lady came up to him and and said, Pastor Mike, I sure wish that I had as much faith as you do. And he said, well, I don't know that I have that much faith. And and, and she said, well, I don't know about the faith you don't have, but the faith you do have, you use it. You do what you believe God wants you to do. And Mike said, all of a sudden, in that moment, it's like a, a light came on, and he realized, that's it. That's what it is, that faith is simply using what you've got and acting in response to what you already know. And so understand this, number one, that faith is a gift. It's something we all have, that we are born with a capacity for faith. I mean, just think about it this way. Do you have to teach children to believe about God? I mean, it's like at this young age, all of a sudden, they start asking these deep philosophical questions. And one minute, a child is talking about the cookie monster and Mickey Mouse, and the next minute, they're asking about God and what happens when you die. It's intimidating, isn't it, as a parent? And maybe you've had that happen, and maybe it turned out a little something like this. I think you're going to enjoy it.
1: Hi. What you doing? Just playing with my dolls. Oh. Good. Good. Listen, um, the other day you, you asked questions about babies and stuff.
0: When you started sneezing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. OK. Good, okay. good. OK, let me try to explain a few things. All right.
0: Why are we born? Why has God put us here?
1: cuz that's what
0: If we all go to heaven when we die, then why does God want us here first?
1: Um why does God want us here?
0: Yeah, why?
1: I heard you. I heard you. Okay. All right. Okay, you really want to know why God wants us here first? That's a good question. You see, God is up in heaven and, well, honey, it's very crowded up there. Yeah, yeah. And and you don't want to be in heaven if it's crowded, right? I mean, remember when we went to Disney World? How crowded that was? Huh? I mean, it was fun, but it was too crowded, right? So God, He sends us down to earth for a little while to. Ease the. Heavenly congestion. <laughs> I don't want you to punch him. Punch him. I'll be back in a
0: minute. Punch <laughs> Isn't that great? By the way, uh, that is not good theology. That is not why we're born. Please don't think that that's biblical teaching. Uh, but, but I often have sympathy for atheist parents. Because I wonder, what must it be like when your children come and ask you about God and the meaning of life? Why are we here? That that kids just automatically believe that God has created us with a desire to know Him. Find Romans chapter 10. Uh, Keep turning a a few books to the right. After Acts comes Romans. And so where do we find our faith? Do we have to go and look for it somewhere? Romans 10 verse 8 But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth. Everybody take your finger, point to your mouth. It is in your mouth and now in your heart, point to your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That it says God's word is already in you. It's it's in your lips and and on your heart that we all have this built-in capacity for faith if we will use it. Now maybe you're here today and you say, but, but Joel, I'm an atheist, I'm, a, I'm an agnostic. Maybe you say, I am a natural born skeptic. I really don't have any faith. I would suggest to you that it's possible that you do have faith and you exercise it in ways every single day that you don't even realize. For example, raise your hand. How many of you have ever ridden on an airplane? Yes, okay, that takes faith, yes. Now here's the question. Last time you did that did you interview the pilot before you got on the plane? Probably not. In fact I flew here just a few days ago and when I did I didn't even see the pilot before we took off. For all I know they had a monkey in the cockpit. I I just didn't even know. And so I trust that there is someone up there who knows what they're doing. I trust that the mechanics have done their job to get that Plane ready to fly. I trust that there is an air traffic controller somewhere in the sky that I can't see. That, that 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 somehow is making sure that we don't run into anything. See, if I didn't exercise faith, not only would I not get on an airplane, I would not even ride in a car. Because every time you go through an intersection under a green light, you are trusting that the other drivers are going to stop. Every time you walk into a building like this, you are trusting that the architects did their job properly and that the construction workers secured the roof properly so that it doesn't fall down on you. We don't even realize how much faith we exercise to get through every day of our lives. And yet, you get on that plane, you ride in that car, you walk in that building exercising faith. Everybody's got it. And here in Romans, turn over to the next page, to chapter 12. The Bible says that God even gives you the faith that is necessary to accomplish what he calls you to do. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith. Who? God. By the way, when I ask a question, I'm looking for a response, just so you know, okay? And, and, and here's a little clue. The more you respond, the more you uh, laugh or say amen, the more I know you're getting it and the shorter these messages will be. So... <laughs> So if I don't hear back from you, I think you're not getting it, and I'll just keep going on and on and on. And so, the, so, so if if you'd like to get to lunch, just say Amen. Here we go. Amen. Okay. And so, according to the measure of faith, who, God. Oh, come on, come on. According to the measure of faith that who, God has given you. Interestingly. Jesus, many times when he would have someone come and ask to be healed, ask for a miracle, many times Jesus' response was something like this. It will be done to you according to your measure of faith. And what I think that that means is, to some extent, it's not that you have to muster up faith, it's that you have to activate, you have to release and use that which God has already entrusted to you. So how do we do that? Well, number two, we need to understand that faith produces action. If you don't act upon it, then... What can it do? The, The way that you release the faith that Jesus talks about, the way that it becomes powerful and transformational in our lives is when we release it, when we act upon it. In other words, there is an element of risk. We in North America tend to be risk adverse when it comes to faith. Now, we do other things, right? We get on the plane, we trust the pilot. But we, do we step out on the limb, afraid that it might break, when Jesus asks us to, even when we don't know what's going to happen? Do we trust in Jesus? Faith becomes powerful and transformational when we will act upon In your Bible, go back to the left, back to where we started in Matthew. I said we were gonna come back to this. In Matthew chapter 28, there was a little part in verse 16 that we read through that we wanna go back and take a look at. In Matthew 20, verse 16, here's what it says It says, The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So they went to the mountain. In obedience, get this, they did what Jesus said to do, even though, look at what it says in the next verse, verse 17, even though when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. In other words, they worshiped Jesus even in spite of their doubts, and they obeyed Jesus, even though they were not 100% certain. See, I used to think that faith meant intellectual certainty, having it all figured out, but it's not. See, faith is not having all the answers. Faith is acting upon that which you already know. Verse 17 says they worshiped Jesus even in spite of their doubts, that they obeyed Jesus even in spite of their fears. I remember the summer that I graduated from college. Tracy and I had just gotten married that January, and then I graduated that spring. And the way that we were making ends meet is that I worked at Sears selling computers and electronics on commission. Now, I was a commissioned salesman. Let me interpret that for you. It meant we were poor and very hungry. That's what it means. And so, uh, we, though I had enrolled in the master's degree program at Indiana Wesleyan University, and, uh, and so I was getting ready to start my master's degree, part of that program, but that summer we started to sense that maybe God instead wanted for us to go and pastor at a church, I was 21 years old. It was, it was crazy. I was so not ready, and yet we started getting calls from all over the place, and so we, none of them sent, we sensed is what God wanted us to do at that point, but we also got another sense that perhaps what God wanted us to do was to demonstrate our faith in Him, our trust, and to exercise that, to demonstrate that to God by stepping out and quitting my job To show that we trusted him. Now, when I started working there, uh, the arrangement was that I was not going to work Sundays. That was a condition upon my hiring. I said, the only reason I'll take this job is if you'll make sure that I can have Sundays off so that I can be part of my church and and, and of course, a couple months in, they said, well, it's not fair to the other employees who have to work Sunday, and they started making me work Sunday, and so I'm feeling disconnected. And I know some of you have to work Sunday. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not judging you for that, but I'm just saying for me, I felt, you know what that's like. It means that many times you feel disconnected from your church, and, and, and so in the midst of that, we had the sense that, that maybe God wanted us to take this step of faith before he was going to open the door to the right church. And so can you imagine the conversation that I had with my boss when I went in that day and said to Mr. Terwilliger, I said, "Uh, sir, I I need to quit my job. And he said, well, why are you giving your two two weeks notice? Why are you quitting? And I said, well, sir, because we believe that God wants us to go and lead a church. And he said, oh, wonderful. Where is this church? I said, I don't know yet. And and he said, well, when will you find out? I said, I don't know that either. (laughs) And, and uh, he, he said, I said, well, I guess when God opens the door. He said, when's God going to open the door? I said, I don't know that. And at this point, he's thinking this Joel kid is not too bright. And so he made a very logical suggestion. He said, then why don't you keep working here until you get this mystery call from some church that you don't even know? And I said, well, sir, it's because we believe that maybe it's not until we step out in faith that that right call will come. Now, he was not a Christian. He didn't believe in God before our conversation, and I'm quite sure that I did not convince him that he thought I was crazy. It didn't make sense. It was a step of faith, and God blessed it. And when we obeyed, God opened the door. And so, for the last 22 years, that is how Tracy and I have lived out our marriage. It's how we lived out our lives, just seeking to live in radical obedience to whatever we feel God is leading us to do, no matter how scary. And some of you can testify to that type of life as well, where you've taken radical steps of faith. Your family thinks you're crazy. Maybe even sometimes your your spouse is not at the same point in your faith journey, and your spouse thinks you're crazy, your kids think you're crazy, your parents think you're crazy, your coworkers think you're crazy because of the way that you just want to please God no matter what. Some of you have done that with your finances in ways that, that don't make sense. Some of the greatest miracles in my life are when Tracy and I, when we have stepped out in obedience financially. The ways that you have given sacrificially when you have seen a need, when you've helped people, and nobody else knows the ways that you have sacrificed and helped people in their time of need, the ways that you've given to ministry projects that the church has done. And it was crazy, just like the story that you heard from Dr. Buckingham this morning that, that God said to do it, he did it, and the response was, God made the way. I was reading about a person who said they had gone to over 340 Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in one year, sometimes two or three times a day. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, wouldn't that, I don't know if I could do that. If, I, if you told me to live free from the bondage of alcohol, that I would have to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting every single day for the rest of my life. I don't know if I could do that. And yet, he did it. How? One day at a time, going to one more meeting, and then the next meeting, and then another meeting, going each day to get the strength needed to live free from the bondage of alcohol that day. And folks, the same is true for you and me. How do we worship and obey Jesus? One day at a time, one step of obedience at a time. And wouldn't it be great if we had a program like that? You know, kind of like celebrate celebrate recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous or some 12-step program uh, where we could come, we could call it Doubters Anonymous, right? Doubters Anonymous, where we come and 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 we we find mutual support from other people who at times struggle in their faith and are trying to live out that journey together. Well, guess what? There is such a place. Do you know what it's called? Moncton Wesleyan Church. Amen. This is Doubters Anonymous. We come each week because we believe, and get this, and also to help us in our unbelief. Whether you realize it or not, this is a fueling station for your faith, that this is like a a spiritual gas station where you can come and fill up your tank. I wonder, how many of you eat food pretty much every day? This kind of becomes a habit, doesn't it? And so why do you do that? Because you are refueling your body. So you eat every day. Why do you go to bed and sleep every night? Because you are refreshing and recharging your body. And why do we come to church to refuel and refresh our faith? We need that encouragement. We, we, that's why we, we study the Bible. See, there's a, there's a two-way street. That, that it's what we take in and it's what we live out. And so my encouragement to you simply today is this. Would you and, and, and I be willing together to evaluate our input? How are you fueling your faith right now? Are you studying God's Word? Are you spending time in prayer? I, I can't even tell you how excited I am about this Wednesday night, which unfortunately I won't be able to be at, but when I can start uh, here being part of Rising, where we come together to pray and call upon the Lord for His power and His presence, fueling our faith. It's what we take in. It's being part of a group. It's, It's being in accountability relationships with other Christians who challenge us and and hold us accountable, and motivate us, and encourage us, and and correct us. It's what we take in. But listen, it's also what we live out. Because if we only take it in, but we don't live it out, our faith breaks down. And so how are you living out your faith as well? One of the ways that you can do it, you, you can be involved in serving other people. Our faith is fueled by serving others. And so when you serve in children's ministry and and, and mentor teenagers in, in the prime youth ministry, and when when you come and you help out and, and are involved in different areas of service, when you do things like the amazing ministry that took place yesterday. Some some people maybe don't even know the amazing ministry that takes place in the community each and every week. Yesterday, there was a large group of men from this church who had a car care clinic for single mothers and widows. And yesterday there was, there was a lady who was just in tears saying thank you to the men of this church for living out their faith in very tangible ways. And if you at any point are serving without feeding, your faith will break down. And if you're feeding... Without serving, our faith will break down. But together, together, we're building Christ's kingdom and growing in our faith to be what God calls us to be for his glory and to transform this community. Amen? Amen. 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 Would you stand? Maybe you're here today and this kind of faith sounds peculiar. You've not lived this way in your life. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And today you wonder if maybe this kind of faith-fueled life is possible for you. We're here to tell you it is. I'm nothing special. These are wonderful people in this room, but... Let me tell you, they're nothing special either, but we serve a special God. That's that's what makes us special. See, see, when we see miracles like we see around here, it's not because we're so good, but because our God is so good. And the same God who has transformed my life and these lives can transform your life today too. And if you'd like to receive Christ today, who died on the cross to pay the price for your sins so that you can be forgiven, would you just right now with me, if everybody would just close your eyes, and would you just right now say to him, Father, I confessed that I've done wrong in my life. I've been selfish. I've done things that I know are not pleasing to you. But I know that Jesus died on the cross so that I can be forgiven. And I receive his forgiveness. Wash me clean. Clean my slate so that I can start fresh again, forgiven and empowered to live this life that you've called me to. And I commit to follow you now and for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, And everybody say, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to give a resource to you and help you take some next steps to to get started in your faith and get plugged in. And so would you just, and I won't be able to see everybody, so folks will help us out, but would you raise your hand up high and hold it high so we can bring a gift for you to help you get started in your faith. Raise your hand up high until I see you. Where are we? Where are we? Wonderful. We have two over here. Let's come over here. Amen. Make sure you hold it up. Hold it up until they get to you. Hold it up until they bring you a gift. We just want to bring you a gift and celebrate with you. Fantastic. Anywhere else, make sure you keep your hand held up high until they bring that resource for you you take that back to starting point and we are going to help you get started in that faith journey but for the rest of the believers in the house today let's pray together heavenly father that we would live this kind of empowered faith filled life that in every day and in every way we would feed upon your word that we would fuel our faith doing the things that we know that you have called us to do to serve you that we would commit ourselves to worship and to the body of Christ, and to Bible study, and to prayer, and that you would fuel us to live the kind of empowered life that we need to live, and that, God, we would also fuel that by living it out each and every day as we serve other people, as we serve within the body of Christ, the church, as we make a difference in this city and around the world. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray.